Yeah. Get out of here with them weak weak ass shoes, yo. Welcome everybody to Balls Deep with Devin and Jovan. If you're new to the program, I'm your host, Devin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jovan. He's no longer beautiful or wonderful. He's just Jovan uh, today. But um, we're happy to have you guys. Uh, make sure before we get started to like, follow, and subscribe. Hit that notification bell if you want to you know, stay tuned uh, with the most recent content that we drop. Um, but... Uh, we're excited for what we have uh, in store for you guys today. Uh, we plan on talking about a little sprinkle of, you know, college football with the natty just, you know, happening yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll also talk about what happened with Wild Card Weekend. And for the majority of the episode, we'll be talking about our New York Giants um, and what we, you know, expect this upcoming offseason going into, you know, Next season, what happened this season, including with the travesty that happened week 17 with the, you know, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but we'll get into that. But to start off, uh, the national championship. Uh, Jovan, we know you're an Ohio State fan, and we apologize for, you know, that funeral you had to attend yeah. yesterday. Because, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean... I felt for you guys, like I said, I picked Bama to win the game. I was rooting for you guys to win because I'm a fan of Justin Fields. But it didn't help that Trey Sermon went out early with, it looked like, a collarbone injury. Um, offensively, it didn't help at all. But defensively, you guys just couldn't hold up. I mean, Sean Wade, his draft stock just plummeted before his eyes because Devonta Freeman, oh, not Devonta Freeman, um, Devonta Smith. Wrong DeMonta. Uh, that that boy, he was just, every pass that he got, he was just literally like, there was like a circumference of just empty field around him. And that, that boy is disgusting. It just goes to show that he can create separation and he's exactly what the Giants need. But uh, it doesn't look like he's going to reach uh, to pick him up. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely tough to watch yesterday. Um, you know, it didn't. It didn't help that we lost, like you said, Trey Sermon, his first his first touch of the game. Um, obviously, we had a few defensive linemen out, um, two big like big pieces. Um, so we really didn't look like we get any pressure. Our secondary has been kind of weak all season, so they got exposed. Um, but I mean, no excuses here. I mean, Bama just really showed why uh, they're far and away from everybody else in college football um, every single year. Um, and that's really all it came down to. Uh, Ohio State looked like they started the second half off pretty well, like they wanted to make it a game late. Um, and then Bama just kind of punched it home. Uh, they weren't done scoring. So um, really it just looked like from the beginning, uh, Bama kind of had this game in the back. Um, it sucked to watch, but you can't win them all unless you're Alabama. <laughs> so... um but yeah it was it was great just to see my team in the national championship um it's funny because um you know we wanted to get back there due to what happened last year um and we did obviously it just wasn't our year um i do think we had a better team last year would have had a better shot at winning last year um but that's last year this is this year um either way it was a great college football season um thoroughly enjoyed it obviously enjoyed watching my team have a great season um and it's just you know till next season you got to come back hungrier and you got to come back wanting to smack the fuck out of bama now so um that's all that comes down to my so my question to you and my question to the viewers out there um if you're tuning in or you're watching uh feel free to you know comment your answer to this question but Whose season was more impressive in your guy in your eyes? Was it Bama's season this year or was it LSU's last year? Um, in my opinion, it's got to be Bama. Um, 
and it kind of so to speak a little bit on like kind of how everybody was calling like the NBA championship like a Mickey Mouse ring and I feel like in the same sense it, it it's like that in the same sense um not only was Bama so dominant in you know basically what's considered the semis and the championship itself but um just having to go through a season like this where um there's so much uncertainty of you know how far you're even to get in the season um the mental you know you know the toll that it takes on your mental uh to go through covid on a daily basis for the average person um you know i just imagine as a student athlete having to you know deal with that those same pressures um on kind of another level um it just it's not easy so i mean i have to say this just for the simple fact of everything that kind of went on this year and how dominant they really were against even the top teams um so i gotta i gotta give that one to bama yeah um i agree in terms of everything off the field it was definitely more challenging uh especially when bama plays in the sec i mean lsu plays in the sec too but the bama had to go through the entire sec whether that was east or west this season because it was all sec schedule um although i do think lsu had the better team i, I feel like if they matched up lsu would have won that matchup um and i think statistically they had the better season as well um i just think bama had to deal with more challenges throughout the season and they didn't really come close to losing i mean they probably had one game uh where they probably you know it looked like they were going to lose but they pulled through and got and got to where they need to go and they ultimately won the season or well, won the national championship so they they finished the season undefeated so i would tend to agree with you on that one um i would just like to you know hear from the viewers or the people um watching you know what they have to say about that just because both teams were statistically great so i mean just from this game alone i think the person who you know their draft stock rose the most like a lot of people will automatically assume i'm going to talk about devonta smith but he only played half and i think mac jones looked super impressive in that second half uh and i think people were ranking him i think the fifth quarterback um in this upcoming draft class i think He's going to get picked in the first half of the first yeah. round, especially with that performance that he that he pulled off yesterday. A lot of people aren't really talking about him, but the guy had Joe Burrow numbers from his national championship performance. So, and he was the number one pick. Yeah. So, it's it was very impressive win. Um, it sucks to see my guy Justin Fields go out like that, but it wasn't really his fault. So, um, we'll move on and talk about the wild card weekend. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happened. I mean, the, the game that people expected to be the best game, which was the last game, was the worst game because that shit was a blowout. Corvette, Corvette, <laughs> that one, Juju. <laughs> I mean, I, I said it. I mean, I had the Steelers winning that game. And, I mean, Juju just brought bad Juju on the Steelers because he talked so much crap. The Browns are the Browns. Yeah. and. The Browns came out, and even with everything COVID-related going on with that team, they seem to overcome it. And now uh, Claypool's talking crap, saying it was a bad loss, but they're going to get blown out next week anyway. I mean, granted, I think they're going to lose because they're playing the Chiefs, but um, why Why? why yeah, say that? You can't really say just it after, them... after they just you know, gave you the ass-whooping of, of your season. It doesn't really make yeah, sense. And... It, it didn't. Just give them their cred, and I get their division rival, and just move on. It seemed like there was kind of a lot of animosity uh, in this wild card weekend. Even the Titans-Ravens game, um, it was kind of weird because, you know, um, they're not generally two teams that have beef like that, especially considering they're not even in the same division. Um, but, you know, yeah. due to the last time they played and the, the Titans players, uh, you know, standing around on the Ravens logo and dancing on the Ravens logo, um the Ravens kind of gave it back to him this game, um, and you know, it's, my guy yeah. Lamar Jackson got his and first yeah, win. I called his it. first win. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of animosity, which was kind of a surprise between the two teams. You know, I was wasn't really expecting. I that, like but it, it. It was it was definitely something 
that made the game a little bit that much more interesting. Um, so, but it was a fun wild card weekend. I almost thought I had the chance to go undefeated for wild card weekend. Uh, looking at who I, you know, had picks for to win. Uh, after those first three, games. I think we both won four. Yeah, after two. those first three games, at least, and then after that, because because who you had the you had the Titans and the Steelers winning, oh, correct? correct? Yeah. Yeah, so those were your two losses. My two losses were the Seahawks, who stunk it up, <laughs> and, um, and the Steelers, who also stunk it up. But um, I, you talk about animosity with that Ravens game. I I love yeah. it honestly, and um, it wasn't really much on the first time they played, but it was building off of it with the second time where they were standing on the logo. So then now you know the Ravens kind of fed it back to them. And although I liked both teams going into this game, I was really hoping the Ravens would win so that. You know he can Lamar Jackson can overcome that that you know headline of he can't win playoff games and things like that, uh, which didn't really make any sense because out of everyone in that rookie class in terms of quarterbacks, first round quarterbacks at that, he was the only one to make the playoffs all three seasons and he won an MVP unlike anyone else in that in that uh, class. And then you look at Baker Mayfield, they, he makes. The playoffs once and they're celebrating and doesn't really make any sense how these you know headlines or you know they they sh- they shift yeah, and it's just weird I mean, to me and I guess it's the, the 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 window of opportunity or the window of success for you know a white quarterback and a black quarterback I don't want to bring race into it but that's kind of where I where I'm viewing yeah. no I mean they definitely never really give Lamar Jackson the benefit of the doubt. I mean, even I said it, you know, he hadn't won a playoff game. Um, um, and he was because he was talking about having to beat the Chiefs and then being the kryptonite. I had mentioned that, mentioned saying he has to worry about winning a playoff game before he should worry about the Chiefs. Um, but that was no slight on Lamar and on my part. You know, it was just me saying that yeah. he just literally hadn't won a playoff game. Um, I do think, you know, Lamar's a great quarterback. Um, and I was really happy to see the Ravens win, although I didn't think they would win that game. I did pick the Titans. Um, I did think that the Titans just were uh, the more consistent team this entire season. Um, and also coming in, they were a little hotter. Um, but I love to see that the Ravens um, not only, you know, they just came into this playoffs and they came ready. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it goes and how far they can take it. But uh, it was really good to see them just go out there um, kind of cancel out that noise of Lamar can't win a playoff game, the Ravens aren't good, um, and just go out there and do what they had to do. I agree, I agree. I mean, the two games I was looking forward to the most were really good games with, you know, the Ravens, Titans, and then the Bills-Colts. Bills-Colts came down to the wire, and honestly, they the Colts lost that game because of the smallest yeah. mistakes. I mean... They should have. They went for on fourth down when they could have kicked a field goal that would have, you know, had the game tied. Um, Blankenship missed a field goal um, that could have, you know, either won them the game or tied the game. Uh, it Which just came down to the wire because and... he's one of the better kickers this year. Especially, I believe he had yeah. uh, one of the. He's one of the highest scorers in the league in terms of how many points uh, they have. So. Yeah. So that all these games were just. Very entertaining. Even the Nickelodeon oh, game yeah. with the slump. was was with with all the the shenanigans going on. Everyone seemed to complain when you know when they heard about the game being on Nickelodeon. But at, while the game was going on or after the game, no one really That's complained about it. I mean, yeah, everyone seemed to enjoy it. And I think moving forward, we're going to see a lot of that, whether it's on Nickelodeon again or it's on a, a different platform. They're, they're, I feel like they're going to kind of exaggerate some of these things. Uh, which could be pretty cool moving forward, uh, but um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for you know these upcoming matchups. We we're gonna see Bucks Saints Part Three. Um, is Brady gonna come out on top on this one? Who knows? Um, I don't have them moving past it. I in the beginning of the season I didn't think they were a Super Bowl. Uh, they they were capable of winning a Super Bowl with how they were constructed as a roster. And I'm gonna stand by that statement. I'm not. I don't. I said they weren't even gonna make it to the NFC Championship. Um, so I'm gonna stand by that statement. I have the Saints winning that one. Um, this one's tough for me because it does look like the the Buccaneers do got their offense kind of firing. Um, but it doesn't seem like 
the the sorry the Bucks can get uh, both sides of the ball going at the same time. Um, and it's going to be really tough for them to win a championship if they can't finally get them both on the same page. Because it seemed like when Brady wasn't firing, uh, the defense was kind of carrying that team. And then when Brady starts, uh, you know, getting hot, it almost seems like the defense is letting up. Um, you know, as they get deeper in the playoffs, um, whether it be the Saints or, you know, even further, um, I feel like it's going to be tough for them to, to win games uh, because that's, that secondary is going to start getting exposed when you start facing uh, higher tier offenses um, like the Saints and the Packers in the yeah. NFC or even the Chiefs in the AFC. Yep. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be a close one. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Saints on this one uh, just as as an immediate response. Uh, but I do think this game will be close. And to speak of, on the other uh, matchups before we take a quick break um, to go into our second part of our show, uh, we're going to see a Jalen Ramsey, Devontae uh, Adams matchup. Will he get locked down or will he lock Adams down? Or um or up I don't know will he lock Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey looked really good or this will he ball, or will he's he looked really really good um he looked I mean Adams is oh I, good they too, of course they both looked really good I mean I feel like Jalen Ramsey has kind of uh not that he ever uh, was bad but he's gotten back to that form of a lockdown corner a guy that you trust against any receiver um because for a little while it almost looked like um it was hit or miss for for a little bit. Uh, but he's back in that lockdown form, uh, which is great to see. Um, it's fun to see him go up against the best uh, wide receivers in the game and just do what he does. You know. So, so for me, I a lot of people have asked me who do I think wins that matchup, like Jalen Ramsey or Devontae Adams, and I'm a huge Devontae Adams fan. Um, I'm I'm a Jalen Ramsey fan as well, but I don't think he's gonna lock him down. But I also don't think Adams is going to, you know, go out there and have north of 100 yards and, you know, shit on him either. I think I, I think Ramsey, not, he won't shut him down, but I think he'll slow him down. Um, and it's going to take more from the other weapons on the Packers offense for them to win that game. Uh, but... Adams is no scrub. That yeah. boy's a dog, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think I think it'll be a good matchup. I kind of feel the same way. Uh, it's hard uh, when you're facing a guy like Devontae Adams, no matter who's covering him, for him to not get his. I think he will make some uh, some good plays, if not big plays for big yardage. It'll, I think he will make some crucial plays. Um, you know, because he is one of Rogers' favorite weapons, so I do think he will be important. Uh, I, d- I agree, though. I don't think he'll have one of those, uh, you know, 100, 150-yard games, something crazy on Jalen Ramsey, uh, especially if Ramsey is on him every snap. Um, so that's another thing that we need to see to really, you know, to really get the gist of what, what we think we're going to see in that matchup. And then on the AFC side, we have the Chiefs, the reigning champions, versus the Browns. Um Seems like it's gonna be a a great game offensively. Defensively, it's gonna come down to which defense comes comes in and makes those crucial stops or those cru- uh, gets those crucial turnovers. Uh, I have the Chiefs winning that game. Uh, I already mentioned it. I don't see the Browns winning, uh, but I w- won't say it's gonna be a blow. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game, and I'll say the Chiefs win by ten. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a blowout, you know, like uh, our boy Chase Claypool said, uh, you know, that they're going to get smacked. I don't think it'll be that bad. Um, However, I don't – the Chiefs will have to rely on their defense to make a few stops. Um, However, I don't think it'll be that crucial. I don't think it'll be that critical in a a sense where it'll come down to one stop. Um, I think it's hard for any offense to keep up with the Chiefs. I do think the Browns have a really good offense. I just don't know that um, they'll be able to put up as much points as the Chiefs will. So I, I do agree. I think it'll be a shootout. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Uh, but ultimately, I think it'll be a few drives where the Browns just can't get it done. You know, because it's really, really hard to just keep up with that Chiefs offense. They could put up, you know, fifty. They could hang fifty points on anybody um, if they really were on. Were on. So um, I won't sleep on the Browns though. Um, 
They obviously surprised me last week. Um, but they've really just been surprising all season in general. Uh, so I got the Chiefs winning, but I do think it'll be a good game. And the matchup that I'm excited for the most is the Bills and the Ravens. And the reason why I mentioned those were the two matchups that I was looking forward to last weekend. Yeah. But but the Bills, I don't know. They're turning me into a fan. I'm not I'm not jumping on the bandwagon because I'm riding with my Giants. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's hard not to love this team. They're they're just so fun to watch, and they're just doing great things on the field. And I'm also rooting for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I want him to to overcome the the odds and these narratives that people keep putting on him. And so I've been saying I don't really see anyone beating the Bills outside of the Chiefs, and I'm gonna stick with that statement. However, I I won't be mad if we see a Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes AFC Championship. I'm not uh, I, I I mean I'm not I won't be mad. Yeah, I personally would love to see that. Um but I agree. If you'd asked me last week what I thought a Bills Ravens matchup would have looked like, um I would have heavily favored the Bills. I would have probably gone as far to even say like I thought the Bills would not blow them out but win handedly. Um you know, uh where they were comfortable. Um but, you know, after the Ravens surprising me beating the Titans team that I was, was kind of really, uh, you know, riding high on. I thought the Titans were really good. After seeing them, you know, slow them down and beat them, um, I think this game will be really close. I, in my opinion, I think it will be the closest matchup of the entire uh, next round, uh, especially considering I thought the Bills game and Colts game was a lot closer than I anticipated. Uh, not to say that I thought the Colts were scrubs. Um, but I did think that, again, I thought the Bills would win handedly uh, for the simple fact that I didn't trust uh, the Colts as much uh, uh, on the offensive side Rivers. of the ball. <laughs> yeah, specifically to, due to Phillip Rivers. Um, but with as, as close as that game was, only being a three-point game, um, you know, I, I'm looking a lot more forward to this Ravens-Bills matchup than I would have if you asked me last week. And I think it'll be a really close game. And I honestly... Uh, as good as Josh Allen has looked this season, I think it'll be low scoring. I don't think uh, I don't think any team's going to score more than twenty in this game. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's going to be high scoring just for the simple fact that the Bills' defense just hasn't really been impressive at, at that. Yeah. I mean, I said uh, about the Colts-Bills game that it was going to come down to who controlled the line of scrimmage, and the yep. Colts controlled the line of scrimmage for majority, if not all, of the, the entire well, all the entire game. And specifically, DeForest Buckner, he was making an impact. He was rattling uh, Josh Allen in the pocket. Uh, so Josh Allen had a slow start. Uh, yeah. And I think it also may come down to the line of scrimmage again. Can they? Can the Ravens rattle Josh Allen in the pocket and to the point where he's not comfortable? I mean, they have the they have the secondary to you know slow down or even stop Stephon Diggs. I don't think they'll stop him, but they have they have the enough. You know, playmakers on the defensive side of the ball to make it happen. So yeah. I think it's going to come down to the, the line of scrimmage on either side. Can who's going to rattle the opposing quarterback uh, to give their offense an opportunity to take that lead and um, that jump? I'm just going to say the Ravens don't want to see themselves in a hole where they're down too much because their offense is not meant for you know a shootout and. No. And they want to control the, the the clock. They want to run it and, you know, milk the clock and try to keep Josh Allen off the field. So I'm going to ride with the Bills, but the Ravens have, a, you know, a chance, a, yeah. a fighter's chance. I'm going to ride with the Bills too. Like I said, I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's honestly going to be uh, low scoring um, considering, obviously, what you just said there. I mean, the Ravens' offense isn't built for shootouts. They're going to be on the field. They're probably going to control the time of possession. Honestly, they'll probably have uh, really long drives, and I think that's what's going to milk most of the clock out. Um, I'm not expecting anybody to score more than 20. I'm looking at like a 17-13 game, but I got the Bills too. All righty. Well, that'll wrap up the first half of the show. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
boy patience is getting thinner than big raises Since 9-6 been accustomed to hooligan behavior Can call your lord and savior, he ain't even trying to save you And call his phone in some years, asking for big favors The reason why a lot of niggas die Whether it be hunger or you trying to test me in the guise Never been a fan of school, you can miss me with the problems But I still graduated, so I obviously saw from two-piece in a biscuit I risk it if I got a principles what life's about I knock you out about a dollar Might as well refer to me as MVP of all the rhymes Talking body at the body John Gracie, Jeffrey Dahmer I'm a fucking amazing A monster to say the least Too profitable So I feel responsible to achieve Everything that I once believed Times three cause I overdo it My music is more than music It's how I'm surviving through it Nigga Dom Never been a fool, bitch. Lately been on my time. Miss me with the bullshit. It's a cold world. Be careful who you cool with. Claiming them your slimes till they slime you typical shit. We're back with more balls deep. Uh, we're, we plan on starting with the travesty of week 17 in the nor the NFC East, specifically the Philadelphia Eagles. So. This has been a huge storyline in sports, you know, with Doug Peterson benching Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter, down by single digits. So it was one a one possession game for Sudfield, who I don't know, they didn't really make any sense for the move. Uh, although that week, I guess there. Were, they were planning on incorporating him in the offense and getting him some reps, you know, in that game being that they didn't really have anything to fight for. But it was a tank job. It was just, let's just put it it's like clear that. And obvious, it was definitely it's clear and obvious that it was a tank job. Whether it was Doug Peterson's decision, I don't think it was. But regardless, he's getting he's getting the heat of it. He's getting the backlash. And the reason why is those players in the locker room don't care about the the draft. They don't care about where you are selecting in the draft until it's draft season and they want to know where their team is picking and who can they get. Uh, until the season's over, they don't really care. And that's the problem. Doug Peterson has to answer to the locker room regardless of whose decision that was. And the, the players didn't seem like they were a fan of the move. Uh, there was reports that, you know, people approached him and there was almost an altercation on the sideline after that benching. Jalen Hurts didn't really seem happy on the sideline when the cameras were pointing at him after the move. He seemed confused when I saw him, honestly. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some, I guess, the subfield move was incorporated into the game plan, but not everyone was aware of it. I mean, so even Miles... It came, even Miles Sanders said he was like nobody was a fan of the move. So I mean that tells you right yeah. there. I mean they were obviously all having conversations about it. Um, a move like that alone, uh, like you said, it really just it could lose you the locker room. And you know having how you always say being a head coach and really just being a leader of men, um, how you kind of always phrase it, uh, a move like that um, really can hurt your ability to lead them. Um, it, it hurts your the their, you know, really just it it makes them stop believing in the message that you're preaching, especially if when you're going out there and just you know purposely willing to lose games just for a better draft pick. Um, and I'll even go as far as saying because I mentioned it to a friend of ours uh, who is an Eagles fan. Shout out to Kenny. You guys uh, might know him from the early episodes. He is our one of our producers. Um, so, you know, I said to him. You know, even though he, he said this prior to the game even happening that he wanted this guy to get reps, I mean, that in a sense might have just been his cop-out to say later on, you know, I already said I was going to put him in the game. You know what I mean? So in, in a way, it's more like him kind of covering his ass later on and, and in the sense that, you know, I had previously mentioned I was putting this player in the game, um, so you guys can't really be surprised by the move, but whatever. Um Obviously, nobody really in the NFL was a fan of it. Uh, the Eagles fan, the Eagles fans really seemed to be the only ones who were happy about it, knowing that they got a higher draft pick. Uh, but clearly, um, the players weren't, and the management and owners weren't satisfied. Although, like you said, there has been a lot of talk about 
you know, it not being his, you know, fault or even his idea, but he is the yeah. fall guy for it. So, and, and and my thing is too is so, I, I mentioned this to a cousin, well, one of my cousins who happens to be an Eagles fan. He because he was saying, like, I don't understand why you Giants fans are so mad about the situation. I I told him I'm not mad, <laughs> like. It's 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 our fault that and the reason why we're not yeah, in the playoffs. Okay. I'm not mad. 100%. Yeah, we're six and ten. Like Logan Ryan said, we have no right to talk. If if we handled our business, we wouldn't be in that situation to depend on another team to 100%. win a game. So the the Eagles did not owe the Giants anything. It was just the simple fact, like Joe Judge said. Even a lot of people are misconstruing what he said because the media is only feeding people the part where he was bashing Doug Peterson's decision of saying as long as I'm the giant head coach nothing like that will happen and things like that I'm you know paraphrasing here but that's ultimately what he said but that's what the media is feeding us before that he said he took responsibility for only getting six wins in the season and basically saying it's our fault that we didn't make the playoffs but he was just saying with this sort of season with COVID and everything like that, these players, these coaches have sacrificed way too much for you to go out there and just lie down for the opposing team. You play 60 minutes of football. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. That's it. And my, the only issue I had with the decision was if they were down 14 and he take, he takes Jalen Hurts out the game, I understand. But it's in reach. The game is a one-possession game. And Jalen Hurts is a rookie quarterback at that. Like, these reps can help him moving forward. I suppose. Granted, yes. Granted, if they win that game and he's in the game and he drives them down the field and win, and win the game, that gives him the confidence going into his sophomore season that will only be beneficial to him in that offense and that team with chemistry and, and things like that. If, they, if he plays and they lose, then management or whoever wanted this to happen – Get what they wanted. They lost. Yeah. So be it. They benched most of their player prime players to begin with, like Miles Sanders, um, Miles Sanders, Fletcher Cox. A lot of them were on the injury report as out to start the game, which kind of was clear and obvious that they were tanking. So Giants fans should have expected that long before. Yeah. But my issue is the game was just in reach. You kind of got to just ride, ride with that and just go with it. And I get you wanted to get Suffield some reps, but in that situation – you can't do it. I guess the only bad thing that could have happened was an injury to Jalen Hurts, um, which is major because he's their future. Yeah. But it ultimately led to what we seen yesterday. Doug Peterson got he 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 got fired. 100%. Simple as simple as that. I mean, and I it, it sucks that he has to be the fall guy because I don't think it was his decision. And it's it pisses me off even more, even though I'm a Giants fan that. Doug Peterson took the fall for it, and Howie Roseman is still sitting there in his office, and he's like, nothing ever happened. Like, a lot of this chaos that's going on in Philly is his fault. And believe it or not, he is on the hot seat now. And he, I mentioned before that Peterson might have lost the locker room because of this decision. And I spoke with this to Denzel and Isaiah, who both were on the show. Um, before and they told me I was wrong that there's no way they lost the locker room that's that's going a little too far but you know the own, ownership wouldn't have made this decision to move on if he did it if the feeling or wasn't true I agree so I, I, I don't think that he, this the reason why he was fired was just be strictly off this decision I think it played a part in why he was fired Um, the whole one situation how you know that debacle I think that played a part Um, but also the fact that Jim Schwartz is moving moving on and, you know, he had to have a plan in place for his coordinator positions. I don't think he had a plan in place that put ownership in a position where they're confident in what he had moving forward. So that's kind of why they decided to go in their separate ways go, or go their separate ways. But I think Howie Roseman, this this chaos starts with him. And their, their, cap, their salary cap situation is terrible because of what he's what he has done um and he hasn't set up the team for success at all i mean Wentz hasn't really had any weapons on the offensive end so if you get rid of Wentz 
Now Hertz doesn't really have that much weapons because Hertz is out the door because he's a free agent. Um, you chose you chose JJ Arciaga Whiteside over DK Metcalf, and then you go this season this um draft you went Jalen uh, Rieger over Justin Jefferson, like Justin Jefferson fell in your lap and you went, you know, a different direction. And now what are you gonna do this upcoming draft? You have the sixth pick, like you wouldn't. It wouldn't be bad to pick one of these top receivers, but you're going to pick a receiver in the first round again? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. I spoke to a few people about it as well, uh, more specifically Isaiah, who was saying, you know, if I'm on that team and us losing stops a division opponent from, you know, getting, the playoff, getting to the playoffs and us getting a better draft pick, you know, I, I'd do that too. Um, which I get it. But in the same breath, winning the game stops a division opponent from getting to the playoffs. Um, doesn't get you the draft pick, but it's similar to exactly what J.J. Watt said. Um, they don't give a shit about that. These guys play football because they love football. Um, they get paid millions of dollars to play a game um, and go out there and give it their all because it's literally their job. That's what they get paid to do. Um, so... Yeah, you might have a different perspective, um, but that's your perspective as a fan. Um, that's why Philly fans are happy about it, um, and that's why the players and the coaches aren't, because we have different perspectives. They're in there doing their job, and they're playing that game. They're getting paid money to do it. Their outlook on this is completely different than ours. Um, and it was clear um, just in the sense that so many players were speaking out about it and fights on the sidelines. That's clear enough to tell me that he, they lost the locker room. Um, and specifically Doug Peterson, and you can deny it all you want, but it definitely he definitely did, um, and it definitely played a part in his firing. Um, obviously, it's been a few years, a few down years for Philly, um, so it was something that you know he was probably going to be in the hot seat in the foreseeable future, say next season if they had another bad year. Uh, but I definitely think this whole debacle um, played the heaviest part in his firing. Um, and I think and, that it only sped up the process of it. So, and even if he did return, uh, like Joe judge speaking out on the whole situation, whether people feel like he was bashing the Eagles, I think that helps the giants moving forward into the off season, just because now players, like you said, they have a different perspective on it. Yeah. They want to, they, they want to go out there and win at all costs, regardless of the, the season, how the season is panning out and everything like that. So, if I'm a free agent, you want to play for someone like Joe Judge, yeah. who he said like that's no long, that's never gonna happen as long as he's in charge of the New York Giants. Whereas Doug Peterson, if he returned, who says like free agents wanted to go to Philly um, after the, that situation? And although I think he will get a, an opportunity, another opportunity, whether that be with the Jets because uh, their GM came from Philly and they have a really good relationship, or the fact that the enemy is gonna be gone, um, most likely and get a head, with a head coaching gig, maybe he returns to Casey as their offensive coordinator. He's going to get an opportunity yeah. somewhere, as he should, because he's not a bad coach. He's a good coach. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think this was his decision, but he has to take the blow for it. And it just sucks that he – it was not. It was only him and not just him and Roseman um, getting the backlash on the whole situation. I agree. And, I mean, I already saw – I even saw already that the Jets uh, were interested in Doug Peterson. So, I don't think they're – He'll have an issue finding a job. Uh, but again, yeah. you know, these players literally um, are playing for their for their career um, to put food on the table. And that's where that different perspective comes. So there's no way you can deny that, you know, he didn't lose that locker room. I, I mean, and the thing is, they're, they went from the, being the ninth pick to the sixth pick with that loss. But who's to say they couldn't have got that if they just played – Played their starters. Yeah. But moving from that and shifting over to, uh, you know, our fandom as Giants fans, we're going to talk about the Giants and, like, their 2020 season and what we expect moving forward. Um, but to kind of, you know, bounce off of what we just were talking about, like, I'm confident moving forward. I think 2020, even though we didn't make the playoffs and we finished 6-10, and 10, I am looking at it as a success, and for the simple fact that we seen the the promise 
that you know Coach Judge and his staff bring to this team, I I feel more confident after one season with Joe Judge than I do, or than I did uh, when Pat Shermer was the head coach or even Ben McAdoo. Yeah. Even though Ben McAdoo brought us to the playoffs his first season, um, I'm just more confident in the direction of this team, and I think. I'm looking at it as a success because we've seen the development of these players underneath the staff. Uh, from beginning to end, Nick Gates, he was playing center for the first time and in his career, and he ended the season as one of our best offensive linemen. You've seen the change in Andrew Thomas. You've seen Xavier McKinney towards the end of the season when he got to play and got his feet under him. Um, a lot of the rookies that we, that we had, like uh, Darnay Holmes, we found a slot corner a future for the future. Julian Love now showed promise in the last couple of weeks of what he could be as, you know, cornerback too, um, if we give him the opportunity. Uh, we got Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez, Bradbury. I think... Not so much. We this, still haven't even seen Sam Beal take a snap. Yes. Due to the fact so that he this, was injured and then he opted out. So this team, to me, is, is showing promise. We're showing that we're on the up and up. And although we didn't win the division... It was clear and obvious that we were the best team in the division. Yes, we didn't get the 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 playoff spot, but we should have went six and zero in terms of our divisional games if it wasn't for botching two of the games. Yeah. One being the game against Philly with the Evan Ingram drop, um, and then the other one, the game being that uh, the game in which Dak got hurt and Andy Dalton came in and won the game. Giants should have won that game. They should have won six and zero in the division. Should have should they have you know closed out games like they should have, but I think they're they're gonna learn from their mistakes moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, I completely agree. Um, I I did um, have higher hopes than most Giants fans or NFL fans in general for the Giants this season. Um, I did expect them to do better because I was saying from the beginning of the season that I did think we had a lot of talented people, a lot of talented players. Uh, I believed in the message that Joe Judge was sending. Clearly the players did too because um, they went in week, out, week in and week out and just really played for them, uh, tried to win. Um, but with that being said, having higher hopes and kind of uh, not doing as well as I expected because I was hoping for a better record than 6-10. and 10. However, I do have high hopes because they proved me right in a sense. Um from the beginning of the season, I was saying that I thought this team was better than they than you know a lot of people gave them credit, and they really did show that they were um, six and ten. When you look at the record of six and ten, you can't really see that. Uh, but when you watch the games every week and you're seeing what these players are doing, um, a few plays here and there, um, the the guys we had out in the injury, I mean, just how young certain guys are and the mistakes that they were making that you know with a little bit more uh, reps. And, you know, a few more years of experience, uh, they can change. I mean, this that changes this team from a 6-10 and 10 team to, you know, really a 10-win, 11-win team. Um, because w- with how close some games were, um, especially against really good teams, more specifically the Buccaneers, who we looked really good against, um, you know, that and even beating the Seattle Seahawks, um, who obviously were kind of, Looked like a shell of himself at some point, but it's still an impressive win. Um, I mean, Patrick Graham. Yeah, you could say Patrick Graham exposed them, Def- and that's and after that, they never looked the yeah. same. So in that sense, um, this team is a hundred percent better than six and ten. Um, no excuses here. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very young team, so there were some mistakes that you know lost us some games. Uh, there were some players that we didn't have this season that could have made a difference. More specifically, one of the better running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley. Um, but this team definitely left me with some high hopes for the future. Um, I can see, you know, that we're a, a good amount of pieces away from really contending, but um, not as far out of the realm of possibility that it almost seems like people were kind of putting us at. So um, I was very happy with the season and how it transpired, although. You know, week in and week out, you know, you kind of talk shit about your own team and how they're losing <laughs> games. Um, but that's just how it is to be a fan. But ultimately, I yeah. mean, I was left uh, very happy with the way this whole entire season planned out. And just to be able to, you know, say that we had a shot at the playoffs 
in the last week of the season, uh, which is something that a lot of people before the season wouldn't have given us, you know, wouldn't have, you know, even thought of that. Obviously, the division was trash, so that also has something to do with it. But like I said, nobody would have even said we had a shot this late in the season. A lot of people would have thought by now we probably would have been eliminated, and we weren't. Um, so I think we have a lot to look forward to as Giants fans. And uh, my next question, or you can say my last questions are, is, well, yeah, my last questions are, like, what's next yeah. for the Giants? Uh, like, there's a, there's a lot of glaring needs uh, that they need this upcoming offseason to improve for next season and, you know, get a 10-6, 9-7 uh, record moving forward or even better. Um, so, like, what needs to be done before the start of the 2021 season? Because before you start, it's, there's rumors saying that the Giants are the favorite for um, this this HBO show. Uh, I forget what it's called. Hard Knocks. Um, Hard Knocks. Oh, yeah. The, they're the favorite for hard knocks. So if if it's true and, you know, they end up being the pick, they got to put a good show on. So I hope they, they make some good moves. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, so there's a few things. In my opinion, the biggest thing for the Giants right now is just having the time. Like I said, very, very, very young team Um, that I think with a few more uh, years of experience with some guys, just a couple more reps. Like, there are guys that are – on the verge of being difference makers. Uh, I think we have plenty of guys on this roster. Um, aside from that, there are plenty of glaring needs. A wide receiver one is, is one of them. Obviously, we were hoping for Devontae Smith. Uh, with him winning the Heisman and uh, you know having the game that he did yesterday and in the semifinals, it's, a lot, it's looking a lot less likely that he falls to 11. Um, but obviously, um, that would be amazing. Or even, I mean, this receiver class is deep. So even if we didn't go uh, receiver with our first pick, there will be receivers down the road or down the line. So wide receiver is one of them. O-lineman, we do need another uh, middle linebacker. Um, another an, uh, corner two if Love doesn't work out or even Sam Beal. So there are definitely some glaring needs for the team. Um that hopefully we can address in free agency and uh, in the draft. Uh, but that's really just it, in my opinion, for what's next and for what we need to do to take ourselves from 6-10 and 10 to 10-6 and 6 or 11-5. and 5. Um, It's just go after those needs um, and just let your young players develop. I think we have the perfect coaching staff right now. Um, this is as happy as I've been as a Giants fan in terms of who we have as a coach because, honestly, um, the last time I was happy with the staff that my team employed, it was when Coughlin was there. Um, it was a team. It was a. It was a coach that I feel like players really believed in that message. And Joe Judge is the first person to come along um, in the last few years for the Giants that I've actually, uh, as a fan, have believed what he was preaching. Um, and he really went and put a product on the field that week in and week out we could be proud of. And like I said. Uh, and that's what he said he would do. And like I said, obviously week in and week out, you talk junk because your team loses. You want them to win. But looking at bigger picture, um, what he made this team into, at least currently, um, compared to what they were, um, they look like they could be a really, really good football team down the line. Uh, but like I said, Patrick Graham, such a great defensive coordinator. Joe Judge has been a great head coach. Um, I think if we can – maybe get rid of Jason Garrett and go a different route in terms of offensive coordinator just because I feel like um, I feel like our team is way too predictable offensively. Um, but aside from that, I'm just really happy with this coaching staff. Um, yeah, that's really just – that's really all the things that I feel like the Giants need to do is just let these, these great coaches develop this talent and, you know, keep filling up those needs. Yeah, for sure. I I agree that this team needs time. Um, the fact that there was no preseason and th these young players couldn't get those reps, I think hurt us mm -hmm. because in, as you've seen in those first few weeks in the season, we were still trying to figure out our identity. These players were still adjusting to the big leagues. And I think as the season went on, a lot of those players got better. 
Um, so I think this offseason, if these players, you know, take their their skill and, you know, their, you know, their job seriously, they'll go out and train and, and look to improve. As a Giants fan, I'm not happy with Gettleman, and there's reason for it. Yes, he has done some good, and I'm going to give him credit for it um, when it's due. Like, he, he went out and got Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury. Yes, he traded for Leonard Williams, which I still think that was a bad move, even though he, he blew up this season. Um, I just think trading away that draft capital is what hurt us because we could have signed him in free agency. Uh, but I guess we just secured him to stay in-house. Uh, but... The Giants seem to be committed to him for at least one more season. Him and Joe Judge seem to be on the same page, so I'm not too mad about it. Um, this past draft class is probably his best draft class in terms of drafting. My only issue is there's a lot of things on my list, but I'll just summarize it like this. His first year with the Giants, we were the second pick. We want end up going with Saquon Barkley. Who was the first pick in that draft? It was the Browns. Who was the third pick in that draft? It was the Colts. And they traded back to six with the Jets. So look at those two teams as a prime example then. And then look at them now. They're both 11 win teams and they're in the playoffs. And the Giants, where are they? They're still a six win team. And we're still on the up and up, yes. But we're not where we should be. And I think a lot of that and the big difference between the two is that they had an abundance of draft capital, which the Giants did not because Joe Judge was trading these this draft capital away. Whether it would be for... Say again? Joe Judge was trading it away? No, Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman was trading it away. Uh, so if I said Joe Judge... I yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, Dave Gettleman went and was trading that draft capital away and we could use it. Like, whether it would be for Leonard Williams or when he traded up for... Uh, uh, DeAndre Baker. I was a fan of the trade because I thought he was a great prospect. I mean, it's an anomaly. You don't can't really, you know, expect that to happen with player. Um, but then he also went and drafted Sam Beal in a supplement, uh, supplemental draft uh, in the third round. And a lot of people only claimed him in the fourth round in that draft or fourth round pick. So he seems to be high on and you know trading away picks instead of trading back or trading four picks and also he falls in love with these you know these prospects he would there's a time where you know he infam he infamously referred to saquon barkley as having been touched by like the hand of god um and well, i mean he, i mean <laughs> and that's why he had to pick him number two instead of you know trading back with the Jets and allowing them to get who they want and vice versa. But then he also um, fell in love with, with with Daniel Jones. Like, he told the Giants beat reporter, like, I fell in full-bloom love with, with Daniel Jones. And a lot of scouts um, had him, you know, as a late first-round, early second-round pick. And we picked him at six, which was a reach. But yeah. moving forward with, with Dave Gettleman, it is what it is. I agree that we do need a number one receiver. I think that's our number one thing we need to focus on in the draft, but also in free agency. I want Allen Robinson, but there's also other receivers out there that I think we should get. Like uh, Kenny Galladay would be a nice option. Chris Godwin would be a nice option. I do not want Corey Davis because Corey Davis, yes, he had a big season. I don't think he's a receiver one because um, before A.J. Brown was there, he wasn't performing to the, you know, the level that in which he was drafted at. So I think he's a receiver too. And his, and there's also, um, I'm trying to think of someone else. Uh, it's Curtis Samuel, who's versatile. He come from Carolina, get him and drafted him. I wouldn't be mad at that, but he's not a receiver one either. Um, so I'm looking at those three receivers and there's also the deep draft. But the Giants only really have depth at safety and interior defensive linemen. And we need depth at every position. But the ones I, I need, we need to emphasize on are receivers, our edge rushers, and I'd say linebacker. We need, we need some impactful players on the second level 
outside of Blake Martinez. Cornerback two. Especially in coverage. Yes. Cornerback two, I feel like we, with Sam Beal returning, Julian Love showing promise, we can still draft a cornerback two, but it doesn't have to be in the first round. It does, we, we can focus on other needs. But the, I feel like the best signing we already did, and that's you know secure Patrick Graham for at least one more season, bring that continuity um, to next season. And Joe Judge even said, like, He's happy that he's returning, and yeah. yes, he sees he knows that he's going to get opportunities in the future, whether that be after next season. But it was very important to him and everyone else to bring him back for next season. But my last thing is, I hope to God Jason Garrett goes, forces our hand to you know move forward and and kind of get a modern day scheme like a Pep Hamilton with what he did with the Chargers and Justin Herbert or just in a new direction. I feel like we need to be forced to it. And I have a lot of stats here that I want to read to you really quick because we need some playmakers and we need a new scheme. So the Giants, so I'm going to read it off. The Giants finished 2020 as the 31st in scoring and 20 plus yard plays ahead of only the Jets, which is horrendous. The Giants were eighth in drop passes and 25th in passing attempts. So we weren't really passing the ball. But when we were, we were one of the worst at it. <laughs> and it's so I think uh, Pro Football Focus put out a sheet of, you know, the most impactful drops. Like the receivers who had the most impactful drops. Guess who was number one? Evan Ingram. It's probably um, number one through fucking <laughs> 10, honestly. <laughs> the crazy thing is, in terms of impactful drops, he had, a, I think, he was first with 11. I think uh, the next person was with had, like, six. And I thought they were ranking the most impactful drops. I would have said he would have had a few of them on that list. <laughs> so another Giants receiver made that list as well. He was more on the bottom of the list. But Darius Slayton, he made the list, um, who didn't really make that jump that we were expecting, but I think it was more because of uh, schematics. But it was projected that Evan Ingram's drops costed the Giants 35 points and Slayton's drops cost them roughly 14 points. That's in, That just means they lost us some games that we could have used in terms of making the playoffs. But Garrett's system just isn't a good fit for Daniel Jones. When, they, when Mara, you know, was advocating for him, it was clear as day that it was more for Saquon Barkley, and we we're going to be a run-first offense. But Daniel Jones, he didn't make the leap that we were expecting because under Shermer, he, he racked up a, a 24 to 12 touchdown to interception ratio his um, rookie season, uh, and it was a heavy dosage of 11 personnel and shotgun formation, mesh concepts to you know defeat man and zone coverages. And it was easier for him to read the field because, you know, it was half field, high, low reads. Um, and it, it was allowing, you know, vertical routes to come open for, you know, Jones to process a lot faster. And Garrett's system doesn't really do that. It's more heavy personnel. He has a lot of people on the offensive line. He has an H back in his formation. Uh, so it's just more fit for the run game. And yeah. not really the for the comfort the it's not really meant for Daniel Jones. So I, I also, think I also think Garrett and this is just to give him the benefit of the doubt. I did say that I also do think that we should get rid of him because I do. Um, but to give him the benefit of the doubt, I think he saw what we see, and that's in the sense that we had to rely heavily on our run game because it was what was working, and our passing game we just didn't have that guy. And I think that's really the biggest issue with the Giants offensively right now, and that's why it makes wide receiver the most important glaring need is because we have a bunch of wide receiver twos on our team. Uh, talented players, that would be really good, um, but they can't be wide receiver ones. It's, in my opinion, similar to what we've seen with Juju. Uh, everybody loved Juju. He was great. As soon as A.B. was gone, where is Juju? It's kind of... I mean- He's only had one 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 hundred yard game since AB left. Yeah, I agree. And, and he's I, a free agent too, and I yeah, want to stay away from him. I do. I hope we do. And and th- and that's the same in the sense where now we kind of have an f- offense just full of wide receiver twos. Uh, Darius Slayton didn't make that jump like we expected to expected him to. Great talent, but he can't be a wide receiver one. Golden Tate, 
was really never a wide receiver one, or at least not for a while. Um, so that's not what we brought him in for. He's been great when he plays, but he's not the wide receiver one guy that we need. Sterling Shepard was never a wide receiver one um, since we drafted him, really. Um, so that's really, I feel like, the toughest part is the Giants don't have a wide receiver one, and they don't have a big body receiver either, a guy that can stretch the field, a guy that's fast, a guy that can grab jump balls. Um, the Giants just don't have that guy. Um, and so I feel like that's really obviously the most important need that we have. And in a sense, yeah. maybe what Jason Garrett would need to want to open that offense up a little bit more. Um, so I if mean, he stays, him, we'll get to see. I mean, I give him the benefit, the benefit of the doubt at the fact that our star player was hurt. And that's really what the offense was built around. However, I can see where you're saying, like, he, we didn't really have the weapons to help him. Mm-hmm. But the offense, like you said, was predictable. It was a yeah. lot of run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And that led to a lot of third and longs where it hurt us. Like, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of these obvious rundowns, you need to pass. And, and why? Because it's the most effective. It's the easiest way to move down the field. It's a way to, you know, catch these off or these defenses off guard. Like, yeah. you have to step out of your comfort zone. And, and I feel like a lot of the reason why Darius Slayton wasn't making the jump that we needed is due to schematics. There's yeah. a lot of, you know, dink and dunk, uh, slant routes type thing. Like, he wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of, uh, throws down the field, yeah, to you know make that impact. Like Darius Slay in his rookie season, him and Daniel Jones were on the same page when they were throwing down the field. Darius Slayton is a burner. He's been burning corners left and right, whether that was last season or this season. We just don't get him the ball, well, that, I, and I, a lot of that has to do with schematics. I agree, and um, I and that's what I'm saying. I mean, there are two things can be true, um. And I do think that is the case here. I don't think Jason Garrett is the right offensive coordinator. However, to speak a little bit on the stats that you mentioned, it is harder to want to go out there and throw the ball early and often when you have two receivers on the list of most crucial drop passes. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I mean, feel like it, it's it's tough. And I, honestly, that's really why I just think that's – that's the important need right there is wide receiver because I think that that right there uh, can really turn this whole offensive round around. Um, aside from O-line, I think that's our biggest need on offense. And then at that point, you could really just focus on bolstering down on your defense. I mean, I mean, I think our biggest need on offense is our receiver. I think our offense showed promise yeah. moving forward. I think we could use depth at our offensive line. And obviously taking that step in the right direction. Well, that's what I'm saying. Wide receiver yeah. is our most glaring need on offense. Okay. Other than, obviously, needing offensive line. Yeah. I mean, whether he stays or whether he goes, Giants need to make that leap of improvement in order to, you know, be a, a team of at least nine wins. Uh, but that's all we have for you guys for today. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, we enjoy talking about our Giants and... A lot of, you know, well, I'm, you didn't enjoy talking about your Ohio State Buckeyes, but we talked about those. I we talked about the playoffs. I always talking about my Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> All right. And we talked about the shenanigans that's going on in Philly. But comment. We we would love to hear what you guys had to, um, have to say about any, you know, topic that we covered or even topics that you would like us to cover. Feel free to let us know. Um we want to interact with you guys. Like we, we put up a poll talking about Doug Peterson. Will he be the star, the the head coach of the Eagles, uh, the start of next season? A lot of you guys said yes, and a day later, <laughs> that man was fired. And so, Good uh, so it's perfect timing. Uh, and it's just things like that. We enjoy, you know, getting your point of view. So let us know. Um, feel free to comment and like, follow, and subscribe if you guys didn't already. Uh, tune into our guys at the Expansion Pack podcast. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, well, I plugged them in in the ad break. So just uh, if you guys enjoyed that content, go watch their streams. And if not, and you would just want to receive gaming content, go tune in. But that's all we have for you guys today. Um, tune in on Thursday 
Um, we're we're gonna have some more content. We'll talk about some baseball. We haven't talked about that in a while, but a lot has been going on in the MOB. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, until next time. You're talking about balls deep. I'm talking about balls deep. We're talking about balls deep in love. I'm talking about balls deep. My boy's talking about balls deep. We're talking about balls deep in love.